goal from the floor. Kirk takes the snap, looks right, fade left, end zone, and it is caught! Sound of the Horn. We welcome you back to another episode of the UK Scorchers podcast. I'm your host once again, James, and today I'm joined by Tom, but not a Tom that you're used to. This is Tom Parry Jones, a new member who we're introducing to you all for the first time to the Scorchers family. Welcome, Tom. Hi, James. Yeah, nice to be here. Nice to be uh, included in the uh, the Scorchers family. Absolutely, well, a pleasure to have you. So, obviously, we're coming off another loss. Uh, the Vikings are one of four in the season. It's Probably the worst start. It's not even probably. It is the worst start we've had since 2013. Uh, it's just everything seems to be going wrong. What's your thoughts on the season so far, Tom? I think we're, we're very, very unlucky to be one and four. I think we are we are a better side than than what our record reflects. I think we, we've come up against some pretty tough teams. Like to play the Packers, albeit at home in the first game, uh, then, then the Colts. And now um, the Seahawks as well. Um, super, it's a super unlucky start to the season. I mean, we should have beaten the Titans. We should have beaten the Seahawks. Um, and some people will say it came down to that one play right at the end of the game, um, the the fourth and one. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a sec. But um, I have to say, I think we're, like I say, we're a better team than, than our record reflects. Like that we've had... We've got Dalvin Cook, who's rushed. He he's rushed for like the more, more yards than anyone else in the league. We've got Alexander Matteson, who's a fantastic rusher, um, as his like as our RB two. Um, Adam Thielen posted another hundred yard game. Kirk Cousins is not like although he threw a silly interception. And again, there's another thing we can talk about in a sec. Um, he's not playing terrible football. And we've been unfortunate on the defense to lose Michael Pierce in preseason. We've lost um, Anthony Barr um, in uh, during the season. Um, although another player we'll talk about in a minute, Eric Wilson has stepped up very well in his in his place. Um, and in the, the secondary is very young, so I think there's there's a lot of reasons to be cheerful about this Vikings team, despite the fact that we're, we're one and four. I, I mean, what do you think? Absolutely. I mean, as you said, the schedule before the bye outside two games potentially have been incredibly tough. Uh, we always know Seahawks in Seattle is a bogey place for us. I mean, it's never been Blair Walsh deciding, you know what, I'm not going to hit this chip shot. Uh, we've been cursed there. We played in week one and Aaron Rodgers, who's been slated in the press all season. Oh, is he going to leave? Is he? Have the Packers given up on him? So he's come out he's playing angry. like he's got a chip on his shoulder, yeah. And that's the worst kind of Aaron Rodgers to come up against, even when he's 35. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's, I do agree. One and four is an unfair reflection on this. Um, it's always, I know podcast listeners might hear me saying <laughs> we could have been 0 and 6, we could have been 0 and 16. It's the emotion you feel after a loss and recording is a dangerous thing. <laughs> Hindsight is beautiful. Um, 
I think it helps that we've had two almost two days since the game finished before recording yeah, this. Because I think I it's, mean, it's let the emotions settle. You've got to think about like where we are as a team and realize, you know, this isn't a, a Super Bowl year for us. I mean, if we get into the playoffs and then there's an extra place for both conferences this season, I mean, we could get into the playoffs and any given Sunday we go to the Super Bowl. But realistically, that's not going to happen. So you look at you look at where the team is and what we what weapons we've got and you go yeah we we could we could come away with this with a with a 9 and 7 maybe even a 10 and 6 if we if we play our cards right in the down the stretch absolutely i mean hindsight for the season we're all going to look back and say this is a young team especially on defense with the new cornerback call of gladney han dantzler I mean, Holton Hills. Even Mike Hughes is still young. Yeah, uh, people are already putting the bus tag on Mike Hughes, unfortunately. And I think he's not a bust. He's injury prone. That's his issue. And you can tell he's not playing with that confidence because of the neck injury that's still lingering on. Uh, But if there's one person. I think he's also playing with a lot of. Sorry, go Yeah, go ahead. I, there's one person on defense that I think has no excuses at the minute, and that's Holton Hill. Uh, this was a person everyone expected to step up, and at the minute he's just played to a level you wouldn't expect of cornerback two or even cornerback one. And he's proven that maybe Zimmer's reluctance to put him in when we had Rhodes and when we had Waynes, when we had Alexander was justified. Yeah, he came up with big plays during that season after his eight-game suspension was over, I think it was. But mm-hmm. it's just a case of he's not that starter quality yet. He still had the potential to be, but he's not there yet. He's definitely he's definitely showing signs of lacking game time, lacking reps. Like You don't get to be an NFL starting corner by not playing. No. And that is almost the position we've had to put him in now by losing... Uh, Rhodes, Alexander, and Waynes, all of them in the off in this last off season, and now we have to play two twenty-one year olds and a guy who's in his third year, but is still only I think how old's Mike Hughes now? Twenty-three. So I think he's the oldest and most experienced member of our of our cornerback core, and he's twenty-three. Yeah, I mean they are blessed with the fact that they've probably got one of the best safeties in the NFL in Harrison Smith behind them, just coached them, saying this is where you need to be. But this is another player we want to touch and on. Lest, lest we forget Anthony Harris. Well, this is the thing. Anthony Harris, has he played up to the level we should expect him to? I wonder if he's if he's he had a couple of good years and now he's like cashing in and yeah. sort of resting on his laurels a little bit. That franchise tag is lucrative. Even for a safety, any position, it's a lucrative tag to have. You get paid top money for your position. And even just one year, it's great to have. With the start of the season, I mean, he looked all right the first couple of games. He looked to be at that level where we expect it. But he has allowed more touchdowns than Harrison Smith in the same regard. And you look at the Titans game, one of the touchdowns, I think it was two Humphreys towards the end, where Mm -hmm. Humphreys runs a quick route, goes into the middle of the end. So Harris should be there, and he's dropped too deep. Yeah. And this isn't the quality of play we saw from the league leader in interceptions last season with six. He's not recorded... Has he recorded an interception yet? I'm not entirely sure. I don't think so. I'd have to check. But yeah, I think, I think Eric Wilson is currently leading the team with interceptions with two, <laughs> which is 
incredible for him. He not recorded one in his first two seasons of Viking. Now all of a sudden, he's got to, and he must be loving life. Uh, yeah, he'll be buzzing. Absolutely, but it's just do the Viking. This is a question I'll pose to you, Tom. First big question okay. on the podcast. Are you ready? Oh my Should goodness! Here we the go. Vikings consider trading Anthony Harris before the deadline. Oof. I haven't even considered it because I, I think you'd need to consider who need, who needs a, a free safety. And yes, I think they should consider it. Um, but the, the thing is, we're already quite weak in the secondary with our corners. So do you want to weaken it further by taking away an experienced free safety and putting in George Iloka? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> oh, George so, Iloka... Yeah, Consider it, but consider it on with massive caveats. Yeah, it's one of the. If you get, you'd be looking at a second rounder to consider yeah. replacing Anthony Harris with George Iloka. But definitely, it's... I mean, I think I'm starting to think. By the way, that George Iloka has like dirt on Mike Zimmer. Oh, he's definitely got his nudes in a folder on his computer somewhere. Like <laughs> he, he knows something. I mean, uh... that, that's that's not the uh, that's just for his personal pleasure. The dirt is something else. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's the curious case of George Ioka. He's just a player. He's I, honestly, he might not even exist at this point. He just he's a name people throw onto a team sheet just so he's there. I mean, I think yeah. the first game he got called off the practice squad. He didn't play a single snap. He was just on the bench as cover. Yeah, it yeah. makes sense. Um, but yeah, so continue on the defense. We again the name we've mentioned, Eric Wilson. What a season he's having so far. I mean, we're one and four. Let's take any positive we can. We've had this guy who, I'll admit, last season I was this time I would say, oh, Wilson's there again. He's, why is he in the lineup? Uh, and with Troy Dye going down, with Anthony Barr going down, he stepped up. He's, and you could tell, rather good for one player, Eric Kendricks. He's got a very Eric Kendricks style of playing about him now. And I don't yeah. know if that's because Kendricks has just taken everything to another level. He's definitely a leader on that defense now. Absolutely. Sure. The first play of last season where I realized Kendricks was going to break out was the first game of the season against... It was two seasons, actually, against the Falcons. Uh, two, no, first week one against the Falcons. One season, two seasons ago. I can't remember exactly. And it's the blocked punt. It's the mm. Falcons' first opening drive. We force a punt. You just see this long head being just rushed through just all the line. And just, he takes a boot to the face. He comes up, <laughs> blood, nose is bloody. It's going down. Who, who rises? It's Eric Kendricks. It was at that yeah. moment you just realized we had someone special about to break out. And he led the team in yeah. tackles that season. He just he went off and he's still going. There's a reason why he's one of my um, IDP players in my fantasy league. Gone. Well, that's that's the reason. Like he's yeah. he's always making ta- he's always there. He's always making tackles. You know, if you get a point per tackle, he's going to get you like ten per game. So that's it. I mean, he's, he leads the team in. I think he even leads the league still in tackles this season. He is just yeah. a sideline to sideline player. He doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care what position you play. He doesn't care how much you bench. He is going to tackle you. He does not care. You could be protected by two guys he will find a way through and you will end up on the floor yeah uh but 
let's talk, we're gonna we can't avoid it anymore. Let's talk the game. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's talk. Let's talk, let's talk, talk about this game. Oh man, uh, where where do you start though? I guess it's funny. Like you almost have to start at the very end. Yep, um, you have to start with the four and one. Yeah, well, I think you have to almost start with the Seattle, the Seattle touchdown drive because. I don't think we did a good job of stopping them. No. Um, but beyond that, like, what can you do? Russell Wilson is playing at an MVP sort of level. So, yeah. Oh, that's it. He's definitely in the conversation. I feel like this is an issue with the staple of a Mike Zimmer defense. And this has been known for years. He brings out good defenses, arguably some of the best in the league. But you actually take a quick look at it. It's not the fact that they stop it early in the field. It more to the opposite. They let a lot. They're good on third downs. They're but well, we did. Seattle didn't convert a single third down in this game. Well, that's it. They are great on third down defense and red zone defense. It's the it's the prototypical bend don't break. I was He's just going to say exactly. Always that. been amazing. That's what it is. And yeah. it's been exposed this season because. Even though we've still got that great third down percentage conversion and we've still got that great red zone defense, the scoring plays aren't coming from those positions. They're coming from no. first and 10, second and eight. And all of a sudden, we've just let up the big play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. They're, they're so, they're, they're kind of happy to let those plays go if, if they can stop them before the guy scores. But unfortunately, the guys are scoring. Yeah. And that's the problem. But, uh, yeah, let's not dwell too much on that. Yeah, you were right. We should have started with the fourth and one. It yep. was the wrong call, wasn't it? In the moment, I can understand why you go for it. It's As Zimmer said, he's quoted as saying, it's six inches at the end of the day. You get it, you win the game. You look at the time of when they decide to do it. It's fourth and one. The two-minute warning is just gone. Seattle have one timeout left. They don't have the time to stop the clock enough to win and get the ball back. <laughs> also, we thought. Also, we thought. But the insurance of kicking the field goal in hindsight is what you should go for. That's that. I mean, the funny thing is, I was just going to say, like, Mike Zimmer's defenses are so conservative. Like, you, it's that bend don't break philosophy. You, like, you play conservative. You don't let them score, but you, you sort of. Um, just frustrate the the opposition with a with a conservative defense and that choice to go for it on fourth down is sort of the total antithesis of of everything that Zimmer seems to stand for. You, he doesn't do that sort of thing. Um, annoyingly, that was the only fourth down we didn't convert in that game. Yep, it's I, I'm enjoying the more aggressive side to the offense. But yeah, it's also enjoying uh, Cousins not targeting Thielen on every single play. Yeah, this is a great thing we should talk about uh, in a minute. Uh, but it just seems to be the Vikings' MO. It's like, we will be aggressive, we'll get in your face. But, oh, but when you need us, you need us to convert that one play, just that one mm. little thing you need us to do right. Nah, don't feel like it. We're just going to do <laughs> something else. It. Don't fancy I mean, it. But... Do you think we convert that if Delvin Cooks? I mean, well, there's a there's a point to be made where whether we are even in that position if Delvin Cooks still on the field throughout the game if he doesn't get injured. But do you think we convert that fourth and one if Delvin Cooks still on the field? 
Probably, yeah. I mean, it's no knock on Madison. Uh, I've pinned Alexander Madison to have a break. Absolutely not. And yeah, so far he's proven right. Yeah. This game he's had uh, career high for uh, carries for 20 and yards for 112, mm-hmm. which is amazing for a second year running back who's essentially an RB2. Uh, very much in that would take be an RB1 anywhere else. It would. You put him in somewhere like Tampa Bay, even uh, Green Bay, Detroit, Chicago. If you want to look more central to the Vikings, he'd be RB1 in any of those teams. Yeah. Uh, Where was it Devontae Freeman went recently? He, because I think Madison would start ahead of Devontae Freeman. Has got the unenviable position of replacing the talents of Saquon Barkley. Oh, of course, is it the Giants? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think Alexander Madison would walk into that Giants. Team. Absolutely, they they take him. If you said, okay, he is a second, they said, done. You, he's ours <laughs> now. Thank you. You give us a rookie contract for a good talent, done. Um, but I just think the experience that Cook has at the NFL level showed when Madison decided to go through the middle, which was shooting into the B gap, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. Where he just got stuffed up, but Cook, as he tends to do with any of these runs, he gets the ball, he takes a quick step back, and he looks is the outside open, which it was mm-hmm. in this regard, and he would just shoot down it. It's his every running back I feel has an MO. You've got Adrian Peterson being the strong downhill runner who can't get tackled, you have uh Sanders who just goes straight through and he trucks tri- over anyone. You even have uh, Todd Gurley, who's your out-and-out running back who can go around the outside, and he's also good in the game. Cooks Le'Veon and- Bell, Le'Veon Bell, one of the most patient running backs I've ever seen. Like he exactly. will wait for blocks to develop. And that man yeah, will you- actually walk in the backfield and then go into mm-hmm. a full sprint like it's nothing. He's yeah. just wasted the Jets, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> um, I think he'd have to be wasted to agree to go to the Jets. Well, he's up for trade. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but Cook Cook's anyway. ML is. We're a Vikings step- podcast, damn Exactly. It. We need to talk about Vikings. Uh, Cook's MO, that little step back, going off mm-hmm. the outside or going in the inside. He sees gaps that a lot of people don't get. Mm-hmm. But there is a bigger concern. And I know you're going to dread this thing. <laughs> I've got to go. mention him. Drew Samia. <sighs> now... For those listening, doesn't that doesn't that doesn't that tell you everything? Yeah, Just, that, you say his name, the big sigh. Do we have to talk about Drew? We've Sonia? got to talk about it because this is yeah. this is a question You're I want to ask right. you. So, to those listening right now, Drew Samia last week went seventy second out of seventy two guard, starting guards in the NFL for all snaps played by PFF. This week he ranked seventy fifth out of seventy five because three players played enough snaps to be recognized by PFF, and he's still lower than everyone else. A few weeks back against the Colts, he posted a 1.4 rating, allowing eight pressures oh. in the game. No, not just so Titans. poor. He is yeah. terrible. My question to you, Tom, is, yeah. does that block go off better if you put Ezra Cleveland in the game over Drew Samuel? Well, we don't know. We haven't seen any of Ezra Cleveland. Like, that's the thing. Like, I, I want to see the guy play. Um, we didn't get any um, preseason. We hardly got any access to training camp. Um, I don't know what Zimmer's seeing behind the scenes. Maybe he just thinks that Ezra Cleveland isn't ready for the pros yet. But there's a reason you take that guy in the second round over uh, of the draft um, and move him to guard when he was drafted as a tackle. Um, 
it's because you think he can do a job for us. And I know he's a rookie, but he can't be worse than Drew Samir. Not at all. I mean, this is actually an interesting conundrum for the Vikings because obviously Ezra Cleveland was drafted as a left tackle when Elfline was still the starting left tackle for the Vikings. But now all of a sudden we swapped O'Neill to left- Riley Reef. Riley Reef, yeah. So yeah, Riley Reef. Reef's now on the right side. You've got O'Neill on the left side. They've swapped it up a bit. They've swapped them up, yeah. Yeah, the pressures aren't coming from the outside. O'Neill in the middle. Yeah, we know that other teams know that our our interior line is. Yeah. I I can't swear on this podcast, can I? No, you can't. Go ahead. (laughs) I can. Well, our interior line is dog shit. Uh, it's um, absolutely, I mean, it's not even like a lot of people last season said, Oh, it's Garrett Bradley's fault. Garrett Bradley's at fault for all the interior thing. He's not with he's not. He's proven it's, it this season. He ranks yeah. eighth, I think, in PFF for starting guards. Third, you look when at, it comes you to look at guys game. like, um, uh, uh, Dakota Dozier and Drew Samir, they are among the worst guards in the league, and it's it's the it's not like they're. Offensive line is is a very very difficult position to play. I Absolutely. I played tight I played tight end. I probably should have played guard when I played back in back in uni, um, but I know that it's a difficult position to play because there's so much chemistry involved and all this, and you rely on the guys outside you and inside you. That was poor phrasing, um, but um, but you know what I meant. I know. Um, you mean. But you've got. Yeah. <sighs> It's not just down to that with with Samia and Doja. They are just really bad um, interior linemen. Yeah, I mean, I don't want them anywhere near this Vikings team next season. I think with Samia as well, for the rest of his Vikings career, no matter, he could become the best guard the league's ever seen after this. The one play that will stick with him for the rest of his career is against the Colts. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure people have seen the clip seeing the gif, seeing the memes, DeForest Buckner running straight through Samia and then just shoving him, sending him flying and getting a sack. Like, we all know that DeForest Buckner is a very talented player. There's a reason that the Colts paid him, like, ridiculous money in the offseason to to sign him in free agency. But you expect the you you expect your offensive lineman to at least put up a fight. Like we, we get sick of hearing about Drew Samir like being called for holding. Just hold him. Yep. I'd rather you get. I'd rather we lost ten yards on a on a holding penalty that and have another first down rather than give up a sack and and like go to second and eighteen or whatever. Yeah, it's. The experiment's not worked. This is a guy that's been in a position of, he's been under roster two years, he's been bulking up, he's had all this hype build up rise. Like he's the, he's the savior, he's the answer to the problems. He is better than Pat Elfline. He's worth 10 Pat Elflines. I would take an injured Pat Elfline right now. That is how bad it is. Yeah. Yeah. I I actually really like Pat Elfline. I think he's better at center than he is at guard, though. Yeah, um, he, he is definitely but... a better center. Um but when you've but, got Garrett Bradbury, who's a very good, I, I think he's a very good center. I think he's he's still very young, and that's that's possibly an issue. Like offensive line in the NFL is quite different to how it is in um, in college. As I said, it's a very communication based thing. It's chemistry. It's knowing your playbook, knowing like how defenses are going to adapt to how you're playing, and that comes with experience, as we yeah. as we've said with. Um, 
with um, Holton Hill. He He's not going to get better if he's not playing. Garrett Bradbury isn't going to get better if he's not playing. And he doesn't like, so you need to like, let the, let the guy play, let, let the guy learn how to be an NFL starting center. Exactly. You can, I always say you can never judge a rookie off his first season. No. No matter how good you never or ju- how you never judge a You never judge a cricket pitch off the first innings and you never judge an NFL rookie off his first season. Absolutely. I mean, it's... Garrett Bradbury is a key example of this recently. Uh, ranking how high he is, he's, he's going to be a starter for the Vikings for years to come. He's the cent- he is the centre point of that offensive line now. Literally. And he, yeah, and he's critical for the run game and he's opened up for Dalvin Cook. There's no coincidence that Garrett Bradbury's comfortability, uh, not only with the league but with the playbook, has allowed Cook to have career season so far. Mm-hmm. Even with this injury, he's still going to be on for a career season. I think he's still on pace to breach 1,700 yards at the end of the season with about 15 at least rushing touchdowns. He's, he's going to break everything that he's set so far. This, again, we could, uh, we'll go into this another day with the injury. Again, this is bringing up uh, durability issues, but he's going to open that up for Madison as well, which is going to be critical against the Falcons. And yeah, it's just sorting those two guys next to him because our guards aren't there. They're revolving doors. I've seen better protection on a door on Black Friday at Walmart, <laughs> there are. That- I don't think we. I don't think we've had a good guard since Hutch. No. What? I mean, I I liked Brandon Fusco, um, but I liked him. I didn't. I I didn't think he was like a great guard like Hutch was, but I thought he was serviceable. And our last now serviceable yeah. guard, uh, the roster we've had is a guy we cut for God knows what reason. Josh Klein. Oh, are we talking Josh Klein? We're talking yeah. Josh Klein right now. So last Zim, season, pick up uh, Spielman. Pick up the phone. Get him back. Last season, Josh Klein, whenever he was in the play, ranked. I think it was in the top twenty or top thirty for allowing the passive rush to get off. Whenever he was out of the play, the Vikings suddenly just dropped off a cliff. He was starting left guard for a reason. You had Pat on the right uh, for that season, and it worked. The run game worked with those two. I'm not saying that stick weird because it's going to work. It's going to send you Super Bowl. It's not at the end of the day. But bringing mm. in Josh Klein to play rotated snaps or take the starting snaps and let Samir come in for the plays that you know you can get away with uh, a bit of a collapse pocket on, like some a bit of play action, like uh, bootleg out to the left or right, like he's so good at because mm. the Vikings ranked first in explosive plays for a reason. It's because Gert's good at that bootleg. But cutting him for a loss of the cap, I mean, the Vikings saved like 800k off the cut, but took a 1.1 Literally peanuts. They actually took a minus 300k cut to the cap because of Klein's got being removed. So where from not, he just walks into Zimmer's office one day, whirling his dick around and hoping, say, you need to make the starting guard. God knows what he's done. Yeah, who knows? Um, but what are the options? So, do we bring in? Do we let Ezra Cleveland play? Do we maybe give um, Oli Udo a, a chance? Like, he, I know he's a tackle, but do we maybe slot him in at guard? See what happens. Like, what are our options? The best option. Can we even can we even bring Josh Klein back? That would be the best option. 
the best option would be climb back, but I think the Vikings currently sit about 800,000 in the cap. So they can't even bring him on a veteran deal. Like, the Vikings have no options in free agency. So it's they've got to look within. Oli Ado, you look at a clip from a couple of pre-seasons ago, uh, he's going up against Khalil Mack, and he manhandles the guy. Even if Mack's going at half pace, that's Khalil Mack that you're mm. manhandling. You're picking up, you're shoving him to the floor, and he's not getting to your quarterback. That doesn't happen unless you have some sort of talent, even at half speed. Yeah. So moving to guard, if you don't trust Ezra Cleveland, is probably a good option. But the yeah. best option, play the guy you drafted in the second round. And converted to guard for this exact reason. Absolutely. It's. I mean, if, you, if the Vikings want any more reason to do it against the Falcons coming up, because we know Alexander Madison's going to be running back number one. He's going to be leading the back room. Mm-hmm. Ezra Cleveland allowed Madison to rush for 27 touchdowns and over 2,000 yards in his last collegiate season at left hand. There you go. The man knows chemistry with the guy he's going to be operating with the backfield with. It's no loss off your back, playing the man, getting him some experience, and dropping Drew Samir because there is no way it can be worse. No, absolutely no way. Absolutely no way. I'm looking forward to seeing Madison starting a game. Um, yeah. I, I think uh, it didn't go so well when we had to start Mike Boone. Um, was that last season? Last and, season uh, again. Like he came in, he ra- rushed for three touchdowns, and then the following week he was he was back to being a clear RB3. Yeah. We had to play him because we didn't have um, Cook or Madison available. Um, I actually I have higher hopes for Madison like coming in and being the starter. Um it's just a shame that we're losing Dalvin Cook because he's on pace for a fantastic, fantastic season. One of the best running back seasons we've had since AP. Yep, it's absolutely. I mean, for the times that are where Cook picked up an injury against the Seahawks, came back from one play in the third quarter, but sat out the rest. He went into he went into the locker room with us thirteen nil up, and he came back out with us twenty one thirteen down. Honestly, if that man's probably looking at his contract, he's dried. dried. Are you sure? Just. <laughs> uh, but no, I think so, with, that, with that amount of money, he knows what he can do, uh, and he'd be happy to sit on that catch. Uh, so Cook sat out the rest of the game off that one quarter play. Um, had an MRI this morning, and, and it came back not too bad. It's looking good. It's just a bit of a strain on his groin. Uh, timetable's two weeks tops, so he should be back after the bye, ready to go against Green Bay again, I believe. <laughs> At Green Bay. At Green, Green Bay. Bay. Which has probably got fans in, given the rate that America's opening up its stadiums. I mean, if anyone's not aware, Miami allowed 65,000 in the stadium now. Wow. Yeah, but Florida's a a law unto itself. Yeah. Florida is a mystery on this earth that will never be explained, even if God himself opened up the clouds and gave us a direct message. (laughs) Well, it's a sign that things are are maybe getting a bit better in, in the States, but... Yeah, I, I, let's not focus too much on the COVID situation. I mean, no, that's just a completely different dynamic that we sh- don't have to think about until we have to no, think about it. Exactly, exactly. Um, but um, God, what else is there to touch on? Well, yeah, so we've got Green Bay after the after the break. I mean, the Falcons Falcons will be interesting um, next week, and then there's the bye. Then we've got uh, three divisional games on the spin. We got at Green Bay um, hosting Detroit. 
and then we're at the Bears. Um, um, so f- first games of the season against the Lions and the Bears. It'll be interesting to see how we go up against them because um, they, they've, well, the, the Bears have surprised everyone with how they've played this season. But um, though the, the games against Green Bay and Chicago are the only road games we've got in the next seven. I fancy us to go 5-0 and oh at home, you know. Honestly, going 5-0 and oh at home should be placed on everyone's locker room and say, look, this is mm-hmm. what we need to do. This is the only way to save the season. Make the US Bank's the fortress that it is. Yeah, the biggest test will be Dallas. Um, yep. But they will be... I mean, they are currently betting in Andy Dalton as their starter. He will be six games... Well, five... Yeah, six games into a starting position... At the at the Cowboys, um, when we get to that game, so it'll be interesting to see how he's how he's adapted to that offense by the time we get to him. But it'll be at at US Bank, and maybe we'll have fans in. Who knows? Um, Never know. I think the main focus now, though, is not having a slip up against the Falcons because it was proved this week with the Texans bringing in the oldest NFL coach in history. Uh, the defensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah, 73-year-old Romeo Cronell. Wow. Yep, 73 years and 115 days, which is about 200-odd days older than the previous record holder, I do believe, who ranked it at 72 years and just under. Uh, I... You lost me. I'm a little bit unstable. My... I'm back. I'm... Yep, I... you're back. Okay, I can see okay. you. Yeah, Ignore the second difficulties, say... guys. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's my internet. Um I'll I'm promise I'll get it fixed for the next episode. I was just going to say a little throwaway line about uh, as if the number 73 wasn't uh, already relevant enough to this show. It's uh, Drew Samir's number. Fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> it's a sign we're going to yeah. lose. That's it. Yeah. Game over. Yeah. We've lost Game guys. over. Samir's. Throw the season away. Yeah. Yep. We're, we're going, we're, we're tanking for Trevor. Um, I don't. I. I don't want to. I'm look. I'm not even thinking about the the draft next season yet. Um, let's talk about the Falcons game. Like as you yep. say, Texans came back after hiring a or putting in Romeo Cornell as their coach and won. Um, the Falcons have just their coach and GM. So um, who knows what they could do with uh, with their interim coach uh, going into next weekend. That's it. I mean, um, Dan Quinn, for all credit against that Super Bowl final, you did lose it. You lost it in the most embarrassing way possible. And it's just... Did they? The... Did they lose that one? I, I, oh, I, no, they I, were I stopped watching after like the third... Yeah, I stopped watching after the third quarter. And, you know, I, I assume they always won that. Yeah, uh, no, they were up... They were up too high to lose it. Um, but no, yeah. it's stuck with them, this fragile mentality of we can't hold a lead, and they proved it this season. They're the first team in history to lose. They're the first team in history out of 499 other teams that were in this scenario. When they lost to Dallas, how they did, they were the first team to go to lose from a position where you were up by 21 in the fourth quarter. And they've managed to do that twice, I believe. Or at least thrown away a big lead by the fourth. And that was the story that brought the Camels back after the loss against Teddy B and the Carolina Panthers. After taking a 16-point lead, they all of a sudden just went to pot and it's gone and he's gone. Hopefully, well, for Falcons fans, hopefully this is the start of something new. This is the start of getting rid of that fragile mentality, 
Matty Ice can start being Matty Ice again. Julio Jones can break out and start scoring touchdowns because that's something he's been lacking recently since that Super Bowl yeah. loss. He's been getting the yards and been hitting the catches, but as a person who drafted in fantasy two years in a row, he doesn't get the touchdowns and it really pisses you off. So I don't <laughs> know how Falcons fans feels. Yeah. Uh, but they've also got. I mean, you, I was you were saying you were saying hopefully that they they start clicking. You mean after they play yeah, us? You mean give it one yeah. more week? Let, give let, it one more week. Ha, ha, go and six, just a laugh. Um, but they've got enough talent there. I mean, they have Todd Gurley in the backfield after picking up from a very surprising cut from the Rams. Obviously, with the all talk of the arthritis of his knee developing and the big deal that mm. he was on, the Rams cut the losses, took the cap hit, and said, "You know what? Go off." Georgia College native, he decided to go back to Atlanta and it's working out for him so far. It's good. That's going to be a key matchup because obviously the Vikings have been awful against the run this season, missing Michael Pierce, who up to that in the uh, preseason, as well as the presence of Dion Hunter on that line. So Todd Gurley versus that D line is going to be a matchup I don't want to see. No. I I don't want to see that either, but I'm still going to get up and, and watch that game. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm sure we'll all have a Zoom I, call. As I, actually, I actually have more concerns over our linebacking core in that game. Because um, although Eric Kendricks is a baller, like we, we spoke earlier about how, how like, amazing Eric Kendricks is. He's good for like 10 tackles a game, it seems. Um, and Eric Wilson came up with that interception against uh, the Seahawks on Sunday night. Um, you you can't really expect him to fully replace Anthony Barr. And Todd Davis isn't like he's not a, a wonderful uh, linebacker as it is. Um, so it's the, it's the linebackers I'm concerned about. And the other reason why the defensive line isn't giving me too many issues right now is. Yannick Ngakwe is, is producing. Um, Ifadi Adenabo is producing to an extent. And actually, James Lynch came in on, yes. um, on uh, Sunday night and got himself a sack. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he came in and started on our defensive line before too long. I mean, he's definitely going to replace Julio Johnson. As much as I love the guy, uh, Johnson is not a starting defensive tackle. He's a guy you bring in on rotation just to bring yeah. a little bit of pressure when a guy like Pierce or when we still had him. Big Linval Joseph. Just oh. rotate him out. What I'd do to have Linval back. I mean, just the Miss image Linval. of <sighs> That was a guy I did not want to see go. But no. Again, um, Ogdenabo's oh, fine. There's another player as well who recently, not this week, but the week before and the week before last as well, got himself on the sack seat. DJ Wonham. He's a yeah, name that I saw people... that. DJ yeah. Wonham, yeah. He's doing bits. He's getting himself there. So it's proven yet again that Spielman, for all the stick people getting, that record draft that we've had, which 15 draft picks, the most in a seven-round uh, modern NFL draft. The lower rounds are coming clutch again. Cameron Dancer, well, DJ Warner, James Lynch, those players coming through. It's going to be great. Well, those guys were third and fourth round. I don't know if you could call them lower rounds, but... Ah, they're um, not first and second. No one cares about them. <laughs> well, yeah, if they're not on the first day, then or even on the, the start of the second day, I know what you mean. That's it. You get um, to the third round. That's where you start going, who? Yeah. Well, that's when the um, the compensatory picks start coming in, and you're like, oh, compensatory yeah. picks. Uh, okay. We're going to do so many this season. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, at least, losing uh, losing all three of those cornerbacks we talked about earlier. Yeah, um, losing Linval. I think. I, I mean, I, I know a website where you can work it out, but um, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Then let's let's keep talking while I yeah. while I uh, do an so, internet search. A, a key thing about this, actually, going on to that defensive line and got quite obviously in the yeah. franchise. Obviously, in the franchise tag year, signed it with his Jags, came over to us on a cheap deal. One year deal is great. You don't trade away a second round pick for a guy you have for one year. For one year, no. No, so you want to keep him longer. So, this is going to make it interesting with the Vikings' very, very, very narrow cap situation. Who's taking the hit? Well, you can't rely on it being Kirk Cousins, that's for sure. Not at all. I think and it's a shame because I, I don't. I, I, it, kudos to the guy; he's done very well to get as much money for himself as he has. But I think he's he's overvalued himself. But in a in a QB week or in a in a mark, QB market where we are, we are on the weak side of it. Like as a team, he's he's got us over a barrel. Yeah. Um, so it's not going to be Kirk Cousins. I I need to look at more in depth as to where our. Our salary cap is is being taken up. I mean, um, let's have a look who we've got. I mean, Thielen's just signed a new contract. That's fine. I could see us letting Anthony Harris go. Yeah, it's it's going to come down to this choice between this is in my head anyway. Do you keep Anthony Harris on another one year deal, or do you keep Yannick Ngakwe? I think at the minute production level and talent level, it's got to be Yannick. He's I constantly constantly and if nothing else, Mike, if Mike Zimmer is good at nothing else, he's good at like drafting um, defensive backs. I could see us drafting a, a safety next season. If, if it won't be in the top two rounds because we have far more pressing needs. <coughs> Interior offensive line. Um, but um, it, I could see us drafting a, a safety, a free safety in, the, in next year's draft. What I could see you gearing up to make a point here. Go on, make your point. The Vikings have done something really dumb this draft, just gone. <laughs> and it really yeah. annoys me. They could have had their safety replacement for Anthony Harris and saved themselves money. I suppose. He's down in like, Tampa Bay. He went in the second round. If they're not wanting to play Cleveland, why not get Winfield Jr.? It's a I name know. associated with the Vikings. He plays he's safety. A go- he's a gopher. Oh, it just made no sense missing out on him. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It would it would have been a fan pleaser. It would have been. He's a talented guy. He's clearly gone into Tampa Bay and been a starter there. Um, but you know, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Like you don't know how a guy like a rookie is going to turn out. And when you've got Anthony Harris, who you can sign even on a franchise deal, when he's one of the best. Um, well, he's been one of the highest producing free safeties. He might yeah. not be the best anymore, but he's been a... I mean, a, he led the league a, in inceptions last season, including postseason inceptions with six. But the fact but, that he's getting paid more than Harrison Smith is is a little it's bit... It's an absolute crime. Yeah. You know, actually, I could see us losing um, Kyle Rudolph next season. Honestly, probably not a bad thing. Yeah. In- I mean, Irv, Irv Smith. I mean, I don't like not having two very useful tight ends. Yeah. But- of Smith has proven himself useful and tight end is a position you could pick up in the draft. It's maybe. tight end is a luxury to have. If you have a great tight end, 
it's amazing for your team. Yeah. And I want just to backtrack a little bit on myself. Saying it's a, saying it's a good thing getting rid of Kyle Rudolph. I don't mean not in the sense that no, it's not a good Kyle. thing. We Kyle Rudolph is one of my favorite Vikings of all time. I mean, just seeing how clutch he is with just for some reason loving his one-handed touchdowns at the minute. It's all he seems to score. <laughs> just having him there has been amazing and he's a great presence. But it's this issue of he's reached the wrong side of 30 and he's played a lot of games in his career at this point. And usually at this point, tight ends might drop off and they either become blockers or they just become simple short routes. Cal mm-hmm. Rudolph has been neither of those in his entire career. We've got this very young, capable backup in Irv Smith Jr., who might be silly with a few penalties, but that's because he's jumpy to try and he's prove young. himself. And when he has been called upon, even though it's been very minimal, I mean, Zimmer said uh, last week they did have a play drawn up for him uh, against the Titans, but it just didn't come out and they went with a different read. He is, they are, he is someone who's dynamic enough that they want to incorporate into the game plan. Uh, but I just feel like the presence of Carl Rudolph is limiting that. And I think if you say, right, someone give, give us a second round for Carl Rudolph, someone would bite your hand off for that. Uh, the Patriots, oh. for example. Even even a third and a low rounder. Like, I think yeah. that, that could probably see his, see I his mean, do it. With the amount of compensation picks, picking up another third rounder for Carl Rudolph could easily get us back into the second round, which yeah. we do like to be in uh, a lot of the time. And mm-hmm. as much as I'd hate to see him go, I'd love to see him go because it benefit the team. It, yeah, if it's not if it's not on a reduced salary, then it, it, he's a sacrifice. I would I it would it would gall me to to make, but it was it would be a sacrifice I'd be willing to make. Um, someone who wouldn't be so much of a, a, a heart wrencher to to lose would be Shamar Stefan. Yes. Go. Uh, just, just, but he's only got one more. He's only got one more year on his on his current contract. He'll be thirty at the end of next season, um, and that'll be it. We can let him go as a free agent, and we it wouldn't cost us anything in dead cap. We could just hang on to him. He could be a he could be a backup um, to uh, the likes of Mike Pierce and James Lynch, hopefully. Yep, well, being well, I mean, the Vikings do have the ability to save space. There's no major impending. Contracts coming up next season um, that I can think off the top of my head. You know, rookie deals that are coming up to the end of the deal. So the Vikings are still in this great position that even when Kirk Cousins' contract is done, they can move on safely and still have all the pieces that they need and still have a young enough and competitive enough team that whoever takes over next, because by that time, uh, I probably don't think Mike Zimmer's going to be there either through retirement or firing. Because this is a man who, throughout the season, his daughter, I remember after the Miracle game, is, and we went out to the Eagles. Everyone started slating Zimmer, saying he made all the wrong calls. His daughter came out with very passionate defence and showcased how much weight and that he lost during a season uh, just to put the team first. Yeah, and somebody absolutely loves and does. Yeah. But it's age is catching up to him. He's going to be seventy soon. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is getting older, and that um, the eye surgeries he's been through to save his vision has been has been um, like that's been a massive, like dangerous thing that he, he went through to make sure he could still keep coaching in the NFL. Right? You can't do it if you're blind. I don't think like when it's not an we're not in an ableist society, but 
I, it would be hard, a lot harder to to coach in the NFL if you can't see what your team's doing. Absolutely. Uh, and we know Zimmer's key for his little adjustments. Obviously, this is why a few weeks ago when I did my impassioned run of the fantasy, we get Trevor Lawrence and PJ Fleck in. Part of that was taken <laughs> in uh, Zimmer's age if we do end up firing him. I, I remember listening to that uh, that not a rant that uh, call to action let's yeah. call it um, and I, I was taken in I, I could see us uh, going for, for PJ Fleck yeah. why not I just got not? I don't really follow the I, I've got a um, full disclosure I don't really follow the college game so I'll just have to take your word for it that he's a, he's a guy we want if he's, he's a, if he's at the at the University of Minnesota, is that right? Yeah, he's a golden golfer. There you go. Well, he's in house. He's in state. He's a great guy. Yeah. He'd bring the right. He'd bring a different attitude to the Vikings, and he'd mm-hmm. benefit overall. Probably modernize the Vikings in a sense, mm-hmm. which is probably oh. something we need doing at some point. Uh, I mean, going into your preseason, the antics of Stefan Diggs. It's still something that is prevalent to this day purely because people are comparing him to a guy we're going to come on to in a minute uh, mm-hmm. but maybe those sort of antics are avoided if you modernise the back staff and what's expected of the players but anyway, the guy we're going to talk about, Justin Jefferson yes yes, what a player he is an absolute steal of a pickup. Stefan Diggs like for like replacement mm-hmm. except this guy can stiff arm yeah, well I mean <laughs> He stretches the field, doesn't he? He gives yeah. you that that uh, downfield option. He's he's not really like I, I, he played a lot of. I say I don't follow college football, but I, I picked up from the commentary the other night that you know he played a lot of um, slot receiver in college. Yeah. He's been asked to do the the outside role now because we don't have any other options. You know, BC Johnson, Chad Beebe, and Tajay Sharp are not you know wide receiver one or two. Um, and we, you draft him in the first round because you want him to do that job. So he's he's stepped up very, very well. I mean, he only got 23 yards against the Seahawks. I just looked up. Um, and But the, what he's produced the, the couple of weeks before is well, that's, yeah, very I, impressive. I, I think his Seahawks production comes as a detriment to the fact that he put up over 100 yards on the Titans uh, mm. with his performance there, getting his first touchdown as an NFL pro. Uh, yeah. Having that tape on a rookie is detrimental to them going forward by opposition because they can cover it. Sorry about that. That's um, all right. But yeah, so J- Justin Jefferson going to be a great player going forward. Yeah, I'm glad to have him on the team. You know, you you, you never want a player who you invest a first round draft pick in to be a bust, obviously. Um, but when we've been snake bitten so badly with players like Laquan um, Treadwell, Laquan Treadwell uh, uh, just to name someone who's um, a high-profile player in the same position as um, as Justin Jefferson, um, like we, we we were very unlucky with um, Sharif Floyd getting injured after being a first-round pick as well. Um, like first-round picks, they're very very important, and yeah. so. To have someone be a bust at that position is is very detrimental to an organization. I don't think I mean, it's very early to say about Justin Jefferson. He's had two two hundred yard games now, yep. and in his first five 
play, uh, appearances. So uh, there's there's a lot to like be hopeful for, a lot to be hopeful about. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be a, a generational player for the Vikings. Absolutely, it's very, very Randy Moss-esque. Don't want to put that tab on someone, but wow. you can see a similar skill set. There's potential there. Yeah, there is potential there. I don't think he's quite as enigmatic as as Randy Moss. Like he's not going to be um, throwing laterals over his head um, against the Cowboys in Week Eight, um, like Moss did. Um, but yeah, uh, he's yeah. He's a very think, very useful player. He he complements the the offense in a in a very useful way. Like you can't have in the passing game, you don't want to have. Well, let me start again. On an offense, you don't want to be one dimensional in in only having a run game or only having a passing game because teams will work you out. Yeah. But within the within the passing game, you don't want to be one dimensional either. You don't want to have just that one receiver. And it and it found us out in the first couple of games where Cousins was only staring down Adam Thielen. Um. And now he has uh, Justin Jefferson to throw to as well. I think it it's it's definitely helping this team. Absolutely, uh, the future's bright. This is what we have to take away from this season. The future is absolutely bright. Uh, we'll start wrapping up now. Final. Thoughts <laughs> I think we on, should. Final thoughts on the Falcons game. Final thoughts will be that I think we, like you said before, we've got to be careful about the uh, the run defense. Um, linebackers have got to step up. Eric Wilson, I think, sh- like stepped up in the game against the Seahawks. It didn't show in the results column, but um, he stepped up and, and got that interception. So that's good. Um, but Todd Davis in the base defense as well. Uh, still question marks over him. We didn't see too much of him on the weekend. Um, let me just do a a quick check, see how many snaps he got. Todd Davis was, he was only in for 11 snaps. So yeah. whether he's, whether he's going to see much game time against the Falcons, who knows, but we might need him to step up in the, uh, in the run game um, just to counteract the threat of Todd Gurley. Um, I think we need to exploit um, the threat that Thielen and Jefferson um, bring, take some of the load off Alexander Matteson. Cause although he got a hundred yards rushing this weekend, um, you can't expect a guy who is essentially an RB2 in our team to do that every week. No. So I want to see us maybe even not just use Thielen and, and Jefferson, maybe maybe give some action to, to Irv and, um, and Kyle. Um, but yeah, I, I see it being a win. I yep. do see it being a win because it's at home. Where the Falcons are still winless. Um as you as we mentioned before, they could bounce back uh, with a new a new coach to impress. But I fancy the Vikings to, to win this one. Go uh, go two and four into the bye. Uh, score prediction? Oh goodness me! Um, <laughs> I reckon twenty four to seventeen. It's a good score prediction. It's- Definitely, probably one of the more generic ones in the league. Uh, so it's oh, <laughs> should be a good safe bet. But that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, thank you, Tom, for joining me. For oh, your... do you not do a prediction? Oh, I'll do a prediction <laughs> just for you then, Tom. Um, you know, what, I'll say twenty-seven, twenty-one Vikings. I think it'll be a bit, a bit more high-scoring. But fancy Dan Bailey to get on for a couple of a couple of field goals. I do hope so. I've got him in fantasy this week. 
<laughs> Fair well, enough. With that, we'll wrap up. That is the end of the UK Scorchers podcast episode. Tom, thank you very much for joining for your debut. Thank you so much for having me. Not a problem. We'll definitely have you on again. And as always, guys, be good people. And the main thing, score Vikings. Let's go. He gets away from the pressure. Fires to the end zone. It's hot. It's Greg Lewis. Touchdown. Oh, my God. Five to the 50, Adrian Peterson, and loose! It's a-